Hello and welcome. This is the Swine Disease Reporting System, uh, the Report 38, released in April 6, 20, uh, 2021. And we're going to talk about uh, what happened in the up until March of, of 2021. My name is Daniel Linhares with Iowa State. Hello, my name is Giovanni Trevisan with Iowa State University. Hi, my name is Edson at Iowa State too. And today we have a lot to talk about. Today we're gonna we have uh, an all new uh, web tool that uh, we are calling Disease Diagnosis. We're gonna talk about uh, how to access it as a user. It's a free it's a free tool, and uh, we're gonna talk about how to what what you find and what are the applications. There are more than a hundred diseases and disease combinations um, available. And, uh, and which uh, helps the users to understand about the uh, disease activity here in the U.S. But first, we also have a lot to talk about PERS and enteric coronavirus. Let's start with the PERS page. Um, Giovanni, bring us to the highlights of the, of the PERS page. What, uh, what, what's the summary? Well, the PERS virus detection during March, it was similar to the, what was observed during February. What we can see is that there was a de substantial decrease from wind to market age category in terms of detection. Mm -hmm. So this detection that is currently observed in wind to market age category was pointed by our advisory group that it is a reflection of lower per virus prevalence that is observed in herds that adopted measures to as herd closure to eliminate the virus during the fall and winter of 2020 to 2021. So less positive peaks or with lower prevalence are now being sent to the field, and that may be one of the points that is reflecting this detection in winter market age category. When we look at our FLPs uh, and most most frequent ones detected, what we what we get, what we find? Well, when we look for this sequence from Iowa State and the University of Minnesota, the RFLP patterns 184, 174, and 144 are the most frequently detected at these two VDLs during 2021. And those are all wild type, right, associated with? Well, there is, under the 184, there is part of those are vaccine-like or that are similar to a commercial vaccine that we have out there. But the others, 174 and 144, they are wild type. Right. And so, so tell me more about 144, Giovanni. Last month, we had that uh, the crisis with uh, a particular lineage uh, variant of a 1C lineage belonging to the 144 uh, RFLP cut pattern. And uh, so, so what are we seeing now? Well... That was very interesting to look at the monitoring algorithms. Yes, the, this 144 lineage 1C variant that raised the number of detections at the end of 2020, we could see a lot of those sequences coming through. But now when we look specifically to the 144, looks like it's returning for the baseline levels in terms of detection of these uh, strains in the database. So looks like the situation about these uh, epidemic of the 144 lineage 1C variant, it's coming to the baseline levels. Looks like the the swine industry has adopted measures to by mm -hmm. security and by containment and avoid the spread through a large number of farms of these strains. And we are going to talk a little bit more on the 
on this diagnosis later, but specifically looking at purse diagnosis and growth finishing pigs, uh, we, we knew that there was a, a, an increase. And now is, it, is that also returning to baseline or how is that going? Yeah, that, that's correct. Purse virus, in terms of diagnosis of a single insultant or in combinations, it's decreasing the number of diagnoses for that agent. One side note that we can make about PERS virus detection is that historically, the year of 2020 was point, the 2012, sorry, was pointed as the worst years in terms of PERS virus in the United States. At that point, we have a detection that was overall around 30%. And if you compare that with 2020-21, this detection of PERS virus was very close to that. So that was an indicative that something was happening in the field and for a, a bad year. When we look specifically for nursery and finishing sites, submit samples for mm -hmm. uh, detection of parasites, we saw a change in terms of the sample type that was used. More tissue lung has been used in these age categories and never in all of the data set that we have started in 2007, the detection of parasites in lung tissue was up to 66% of positive samples, and we never had that before. Mm -hmm. So really, the people were submitting samples, and we can assume if you are submitting lungs, you're looking for disease diagnosis and do a, a better job in terms of classifying this, this uh, respiratory issue in the field. So was really an indicative that was bad in the field during this 2020-21 year. And that's all associated with that, uh, say, crisis or increase of cases is associated with that variant uh, 144 virus, right? Yeah, that's correct. That was one of the contribution. And there is other uh, scenarios that contribute for that is that regional level, we have some specific regions, as example, Nebraska and Ohio, that has higher activity of PERS virus during mm -hmm, this year. Mm -hmm. And those are for different reason, reasons, but have been played a major roles at these states as in terms of number of outbreaks. And additionally to that, neighboring states may have contributed for that with some of those outbreaks, but sending wind-to-marked pigs inside of those states for the, the finishing phase. So we have a couple of scenarios that have been played out, and the beauty about the SDRS project is that we create this capability of monitor at different regions and look for that and... Uh, highlight this change in terms of agent detection for the U.S. swine industry. Overall, Giovanni, so using all the information that you have, so for example, if you look just the overall detection, we would have a decrease, but you have the state-level information that adds some, some alerts in some specific states, so then you can go and look to that diagnostic code, so all together these help you to understand what is happening in those specific regions and a micro level. Correct. We have a this database that helps us understand, but we have additional to that a strong component that is our advisory group that provides feedback. And the information that we see in the database is also aligned with what these uh, veterinarians and producers see mm -hmm. in the field. So we have this both ways is database, but there is some kind of validation that comes from these veterinarians and producers to the information that we are sharing here. So, so in summary, ex with exception of that Nebraska and uh, Ohio regions that you talked about, it seems like PERS is, is uh, relatively stable and trending towards lower detection 
in uh, both sow farms and and grow finishing pigs, and there's no evidence that that uh, 144 say crisis is is further spreading or or further kind of causing problems. Right? It seems like it's it's getting into control. Yeah, that's correct, and Got it'll be very interesting to see what's going to happen in April in terms of continue this monitoring. We'll continue to monitor. Yep. <laughs> All right, let's flip the page. Uh, the next page here of the monthly report talks about detection of RNA of enteric coronaviruses by PCR. And so also some good news and bad news here. Uh, good news, TGE and PD, pretty, pretty, pretty low activity compared to uh, historic data. And Delta on the rise, right, uh, Giovanni? Yeah, that's correct. The PD detection was similar to February. We saw this moderate decrease in winter-marked age category. And that's very aligned with the database that we have. If you apply some Bayesian estimates, that's going to say that between March to April is the time point where we start to see this decrease in detection for PD in winter-marked mm -hmm. age category. Mm -hmm. For self-harm, that goes a little bit later, during the uh, month of March to May, but at overall the, there was this decrease. The Delta coronavirus is another situation. We have been seeing during March a moderate decrease in terms of detection coming from adult cell farms. When we look for that historical detection of Delta coronavirus, during March of 2021 was the month with the highest number of cases tested, and additionally to that was Delta coronavirus detection was the highest since 2014. When we yeah. look for other years, in 2018, mm -hmm. we had a spike in terms of detection of Delta coronavirus that was first in adults of farms, and then that was uh, moved towards the winter market age category. This year, we have been seeing the opposite. There was this higher detection that started to increase in, ad in winter market age category, and now we start to see this moderate increase in adult self-harm. So if that continues, we can expect that more positive Delta coronavirus peaks are going to be sent to the winter market phase and continue this higher detection for the upcoming months. The good news that came from the advisory group is that self-harms that has been adopting measures to control and eliminate the agents from these herds has been successful. So they are not having problems to eliminate from the herds that did break with. But anyway, it's a good reminder, and we observe the same thing with PERS over and over, that uh, important aspect of the ecology of those uh, uh, pathogens in, in which the, there's a, when there is increased activity in growth, in growth-finish animals, mm -hmm. it's, uh, you can pretty much expect or watch, right, and you're seeing it's happening here again, that uh, you're Go in, in weeks or months following that increase in growth finish animals, you, we see increased detection in south farms as well, right? So it demonstrates uh, the importance on uh, biocontainment and biosecurity of uh, winter finish animals if you want to control the virus overall in the in the industry. Yeah, and we always need to be vigilant to what is happening around us to take some of those control measures in place at the right time and to provide us the best results that we are looking for. All right, so flipping the page again here to the mycoplasma, how pneumonia uh, page, uh, Giovanni, detection by PCR. Good news here, right? 
Yeah, the good news is that there is this moderate decrease in terms of detection of mycoplasma hyomony, and we are entering the period of the year that we expected to keep in the lower boundaries of detection for these agents. And they are on the lower in all, uh, all age categories. That's correct. Mm -hmm. All right, disease, disease diagnosis. What are the highlights here? During the months of February and March, we did observe some signals in terms of detection, disease diagnosis detection of salmonella. And even though there is a restricted number of cases for streptococcus suis and mulberry heart disease, we detect some signals in these uh, diseases too. All right, and, and so moving on, we have a bonus page uh, where you talk about this new web tool so that people can understand uh, on uh, whatever disease or disease combinations of their interest. There are more than 100. Uh, and so tell us about it, Giovanni. What is this dashboard? What are the, some of the applications? How can people uh, si sign up for it and take advantage of it? Yeah, that's correct. We usually we don't, we don't talk about the bonus page, but this month we are releasing this new product through the SDRS. And here we have an educational component in terms of disease diagnosis at ISU VDL. As we mentioned, we have more than 100 diseases or disease combinations here to look for, more than 100,000 cases from 2010 up to the present. And we have this online component that it's available for everybody that wants to take a look. Of course, you need to sign in and create your own username and password to look at what we have in these dashboards. But the information is organized in terms of disease diagnosis, and that goes beyond PCR detection. Mm -hmm. It takes in terms of the clinical history, uh, the macroscope, microscope lesion, the test and testing find that was requested in the samples. And we started this project back in 2017. Then we realized Uh, with the strong work that was done by Dr. Ken Schwartz and Eric Burgo in terms of developing and improving the capabilities of the DX codes. And now we have this product that's organized by system, lesion, etiology, and insult type. And you can play with the data and see information at overall level for poor sign. And, of course, we have the bonds of avian case as well. And more specifically for the poor sign case, we can look at these diseases in terms of the system that they affect, like mm -hmm. respiratory, digestive, and you can look for the data to find trends over time in terms of number of diagnoses, in terms of what's the most frequent agents or insultants that they are they're reported. So it's an educational component, and we have been working to provide Uh, peer review information about that. So there is a link in the report for that, but if you need further information, just uh, feel free to reach out, out to us and we are be very happy to provide you more details how this is working. So people could play here, select the avian or porcine, the year, the physiological system? Yes, correct. It's just a, a click button that you can go and and mm -hmm. select all the things. If you want more than one, you just do control and a click, and you can just go and play off those things that is there available, this interactive tool. And you can look for by lesion, by etiology, and you can filter by even by region or age, age groups too, right? Correct. You can be right. very creative here to find information that you are looking for.
All right. Yeah. So you're up at night, not sure what to do when I have some fun logging to the dashboard and <laughs> right. There's a lot of stuff here to to do. Um, and what are what are the applications of that that diagnostic? Just remind us what what are the the other applications of the disease uh, diagnostic codes that people could use if they're part of a system or a vet clinic. Of course, here we have an overall number of diagnoses, so you can find trends in terms of what is the agents diagnosed over time, but especially you can compare your own data that you have with these aggregated results and see if you are following the trend of the U.S. fine industry, if you are contributing for some change in terms of diagnosis, or if you are doing better than the others. Mm -hmm. Additionally to that, this disease diagnosis that we have here we do monitor all of this information mm -hmm. in the background by statistical algorithms, and we provide information in terms of change of some specific agents. In the report, as you mentioned before, salmonella, septococcus, and mulberry disease. So those mm -hmm. information can be used by the awesome. veterinarian producers to compare and see, oh, am I the one that is having more cases of these agents or not? And can be used by that. Of course, here we only have information from iState VDL. We hope to have other video in future. And we don't have all the representation as the PCR detection, but still a good source of information to look for trends over time. How much does it cost, Giovanni, for people to visualize that? That's the great news. It's free. It's you free. Just, it's free. <laughs> you just need to create your username and password, but it's free. There is no cost associated with that. Can't beat that. <laughs> all right. So... What what else what else do we have to cover uh, here uh, in this report this month? Well, this was the basic information that we have for the highlights and keeping uh, looking for the next month and provide uh, other updates in terms of agent and disease detection from the science disease reporting system. Great, and for the users, the listeners, let us know what you think about those those the older and the new dashboards. We are always looking for opportunities to to improve them. Uh, to meet your needs as the users of this of this data. That was it, what we had for today. Hope to see you next month. Uh, have a good one. Thank you. 